Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project podcast. I'm Jay Harrington. And joining me today is Brittany Leonard, who is a lawyer and general counsel with Civics, a multinational company that is a leading provider of services and software for government, transportation, and grants. And as many of you will know, Brittany is also a prolific content creator on LinkedIn. If you're not already following Brittany, you should be. So Brittany, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to hear. And um, you're you're a bit unique in terms of our guests. Um, you're one of just a handful, I believe, who are uh, who is in house as opposed to in private practice or in some other role. Um, so I kind of wanted to start there uh, if you're up for it. And I just interested in hearing a little bit about your backstory, um, how you transitioned from private practice to in house, and whether uh, you know the the change has kind of met your expectations, exceeded them, you know, what might be something that, you know, surprised you about the transition. So let's just generally talk about that. Yeah. I, you know, when I first was, you know, first got out and I was in private practice, it just, I never felt like it was me. I felt like in law school, I felt the same way. I felt very like siloed and very like boxed in and like you had to be a certain way, you had to act a certain way, um, that sort of thing. And it just felt very limiting. And I was just like, I'm very like, I'm very bubbly. I'm very like a big personality. And I just felt like I had to be this person. And I never, like I would work on whatever I was assigned, whether it be, you know, deposition transcripts, motions, what have you. But then I would do it, never see it again or like get limited feedback and on to the next thing. It was like churn and burn, churn and burn. And I was just like, this is not like what I want. Like, if this is what a lawyer is, like, get me out of here and get me out of here quick. And I remember just sitting there one day, this is like the second year I was in, in practice or um, towards my third year. And I was just like, I remember looking at the partners and being like, do I really want to be this in 20, 25 years? Like most of them, like we're not, at least from what I, I know there's firms that love what they do, but most of the partners I ran into were grumpy, were stressed like never took a vacation. And it just wasn't the life I I wanted for myself. And I didn't know at the point in time when I wanted out, like where that was, I knew I liked in-house and we can get into that, but I didn't know. I just wanted to be happy. Like I, I was stuck and tired and just felt like I was hitting a wall that I could not get out of. Yeah. So no, that's that's important. I mean, I think that that's um, a really good, I guess, especially someone early in their career where they're really looking forward and thinking, um, you know, who do, who do I want to become, and and sort of looking at those who you know those who are at a position that are it's the natural progression of advancement within a law firm, and if you decide that that doesn't fit your long term vision for your life, yeah, important to take action and be proactive. Um, like you said, some people love it and thrive in that environment, others don't. Um, but I think that you know people sometimes get stuck thinking that they've got to be on a single path and yeah. you know, they feel like they've invested a lot of sunk costs into their career and transition might be difficult or scary. But I think that's it's good to tell these stories because it can be inspiration for people to make maybe start to take the next step towards at least evaluating might be a, what might be a better fit for them. Yeah. I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. Like it, it's very difficult. Like I'm not going to like sugarcoat it and say it was easy, 
But it comes to a point when I think I give myself less credit than I probably should. But it came to the point where I said, like, am I going to keep doing this? And some people do it. Like, they was just like, let me just stay in this for, you know, however long. Like, let me follow society's, you know, quote unquote society's, um, you know, uh, what's the word? What, what's the word I'm looking for? Conventions or yeah, like, yeah. let me follow that. And it was just like, it got to the point where I was like, I can't do this. Like, I can't continue on this path. And I want to have meaningful work. I want to be happy in the work I do. I want to be able to have a dialogue, like socialize. And it was just so siloed and boxed in that I was like, let's get out of here. And so I ended up um, going in in house in a very um, different manner. I was just applying for anything. Like at that point, I was like, I don't even care if it's legal related. Like I will do anything at this point. Just get me out of this environment basically. And at the time I didn't know it was environment. I thought it was law. Um, but I happened to apply for a marketing position with a company and I had previous marketing experience. I have a business degree. So I had obviously the marketing experience. And I said, um, I remember I applied and I got a call and they were like, are you sure this is the right position you're applying for? Like <laughs> you have all this legal experience. And I was like, I just want out. Like I just, mm -hmm. out. and um, so they said, okay, like we have an in-house team. Would you mind helping them um, if we give you this position? And I was like, okay. Like in the back of my head, like I will do very minimal, like if, right. you know, unless they really need it, you know? And um, it so happened that because I was so, and I, I had a plan kind of in the back of my head before I was like really hit the wall with the law that I wanted to go in house because of the business degree. Cause I, I knew um, that it was different than a firm, but at that point I was so stuck with, you know, just not wanting to be in law. So when I finally got there because of knowing back then that I wanted to go in house, I I did a lot of different work while I was in the firm. So I, you know, I did intellectual property. I did real estate. I did commercial transactions. Like I had a variety of experience. So when I went into the, into that company, it was a lot of intellectual property and the attorneys there just did not have that experience. So they have, they knew I had it. So they came to me, asked me, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because it was, I could see it all the way through. I could talk to clients. I could negotiate with clients. I could see where they were coming from and looked at it at, at an angle from, okay, we're trying to grow revenue here. We're trying to grow the business. We're not just like churning and burning billable hours. Um, and so that gave me the unique and creative approach to say, hey, let's do this a different way while each person, you know, gets kind of what they want. And I really started enjoying it. And that's when I realized it wasn't the law that I didn't like. It's I didn't thrive in the environment that I was in. And that it, what's key to me is the correct environment. So, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think that that identifies an important point um, that leads to, I think, many associates in particular to struggle in in certain um, firms in in private practice, which is oftentimes you just don't, you know, you, everyone, everyone wants and needs like purpose and meaning in their work. Um, but oftentimes the projects are like siloed. Um, you, you're doing one piece, but you don't really see the big picture. Um, and you don't really know why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and, and it sounds like in that situation, you started to, um, see how 
taking things from start to finish, being integral and seeing the results, the fruits of your labor to some extent. Is that was that a big part of what you know led you to think this is this is maybe is for me? Absolutely. Like it was like just like you said, it was, oh wow, like I actually know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm doing. And it's not just doing these one-off projects and getting nowhere with it. It was actually seeing what I could do and developing those skills. And it wasn't just you know, writing on emotion, it was articulating issues and spotting them, but saying it in a business manner and not having to type out 10 pages of legalese that no one cared or even wanted to listen to. It was like, hey, just give us what we need to know. And I think that's a really good aspect to realize is if you feel like you're saying, I mean, great example, I was on a call the other day and it was like, what was 40 minutes could have been 10 minutes, but the person just kept explaining the same thing over and over mm. at nauseam to the point where I was like, I, you know, I get it. Like, can we move on to the next thing? <laughs> I got, I got meetings to go to, you know? Right. Um, so it, it, it's a real big thing to really be impactful, but knowing you're making a difference and not having to work in a way you don't feel comfortable. Yeah. And I think, I, I don't know if you, you, I imagine you would agree with this, but I think it's a good lesson for, um, you know, lawyers who are assigning work and running projects within firms, which is recognize that you, you know, you can really help your team to be motivated and more satisfied with their work to the extent that you can help articulate and demonstrate to them, you know, the impact of their work, you know, that it is actually having an impact and, and also, you know, along the way, trying to celebrate small wins. I mean, that's part of the, I mean, I think back to my own experience in private practice, especially at a, at a big firm where, you know, I was working on chapter 11 um, restructuring deals, representing debtors, and those cases have gone for years. And, yeah. you know, the, the the kind of points at which contributions were acknowledged, you know, celebrating small wins was really meaningful and important. And, and so that's, I think it's just important things when it comes to leadership and mentoring that people should keep in mind. And I think that's, you know, that's a huge thing. It's like, sometimes I'll meet um, associates and they're like, Hey, I love my firm. And it's like, okay, is the environment there? Like, are they, like you said, rewarding you? Like, do you feel like you are part of the team versus, you know, on your own Island? And I think that's huge. It, It really comes down to, knowing what makes you feel comfortable and valued as a person. Yeah. Um, And I know, you know, transitioning to a bit of the types of things that you write a lot about on LinkedIn. um, Are there any other, I I know you have points of view about changes that you think should be implemented in the legal industry and and areas um, that are kind of hot button issues for you. Uh, I don't know, any other kind of areas that you think, could see it could have room for improvement uh, in the in the private practice in particular. Um, anything yeah. come to mind? I mean, I really like when I see you know private practice attorneys, like especially when I'm looking to hire someone. You know, it's like, are you invested in like not just like getting the work done and like getting it through your billables, or are you actually invested in like? customer service, client focus, like, do you respect my opinion and my my value? Are you just like doing things without my advice, without my opinion? Um, You know, I've had attorneys where it's like, oh, let me just like run through this. And it's like, 
hey, where are we at with this? Oh, well, X, Y, Z, blah, 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 has happened. And I'm like, wait, mm. I didn't decide that, you know, like <laughs> yeah. keep me up to date, like keep me, you know, in mind when you're doing things. Cause at the end of the day, I'm, I don't like saying it like this, but we're the ones hiring you. Mm-hmm. So we, we want to make sure that what we want is ultimately achieved. So. Yeah. And what are some other examples um, of, of someone maybe who you perceive as in fact, genuinely invested in, in the business, right? I mean, as opposed to just a, it being a transactional matter where they're just completing the work, billing the hours and, and, you know, maybe they're just, they're just trying to get the job done, but not truly invested in, in the company, in, in, you know, the success that you're, what, what are some ways that people can, lawyers can manifest that? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, knowing our industry, knowing, even if it's specifically, like, if you want a certain client, like knowing their products, like knowing how to think outside the box and giving a um, valuable opinion. That's not just like, here, here's the law, like, here's what we can do. It's like, give me A, B, and C, maybe C options. Like, how can we do this? How can we do that? And just kind of being able to say, here's, here's where we should be, but here's how we can get there. We don't have to go one linear path. We can give and take here and there. So I think that's huge. Um, really obviously being client focused, client centric. And then I think a huge one is combat compatibility. Like Mm -hmm. if, can I work with you? Like, do you respect my time? Do I respect your time? Like, or is it, you're just guns a blazing and I'm like, Whoa, like, you know, it's, it's a huge thing for me is compatibility with the person. Like, can we get along? Right, right. Yeah. So I think that that gets to, to, to me, I'm hearing a couple of things. I mean, one is, yeah, I, I oftentimes call it investing beyond the billable hour too, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, spending the time coming to do a site visit, um, you know, sitting down and, and meeting with you, uh, providing some educational content um, and, and doing that as an investment in the relationship, not not always something that needs to be reflected on the bill. Um, and also, you know, to the second point you're making, it's just, um, just meeting expectations. Uh, and the key thing there is understanding expectations. So probably, you know, talking to your client about, you know, how they want to be communicated to, how frequently, what the cadence and the substance of that communication is. Like, these are all seemingly little things that I would imagine as a client end up compounding into very big things from either a a good or a bad standpoint. Is that right? Yeah, no, you like two things to to what you just said. One, like my, like my, I hate to say favorite outside counsel, but it is what it is. Like that started off from a relationship of my immigration attorney. And he was like, Hey, I know this guy that I think you guys will hit it off right away. He happened to be in town. Um, are like the attorneys I use are in Miami. He happened to be in Orlando and um, obviously I go to Miami a lot. So we ended up getting coffee, hitting it off. And that was, you know, that was the start of what has been our long-term relationship. And then um, the other part, I had something else for the other part that you had said. Oh, as far as like expectations setting and, and. and Oh yeah. So that's, so yes, Mm -hmm. that's, that's huge for me. So some people like to be updated, you know, once a month or mm-hmm. what have you, like, tell me when we're hit this point for me, I want to, I'm really big about wanting to be knowing the every aspect of what's going on. Like mm-hmm. if we're sending out an email to outside counsel, say, Hey, like 
this is what we're going to send. Are you cool with this? Like, just in case, like a lot of times, if something's happening on the back end that they may not be aware of, or something's happening that I need to be like, actually, hey, can we wait to send this because we need to wait for this to happen or X, Y, Z, whatever the case may be is, I feel like if you're not, for me, if I'm not constantly in the loop, then if something sent or if something said that maybe shouldn't have been said yet or said a different way, I wasn't there to give that advice when, and my biggest thing is I don't want something to go sideways if it could have easy, easily been preventable. Yeah, right. And I think maybe the easiest way to describe this is, you know, if you're a lawyer out there trying to evaluate your approach to client services, it should very much be one size fits one. Um, and and that's all about um, understanding expectations, asking questions, and then tailoring your approach to each particular client, because everyone's different. I mean, I had clients who were very hands off, right? And I'm sure you probably did in private practice, too. Um, most are more in line with you, which is they want to be in the loop um, to a very great extent. And it sometimes differs, right? It, I'd have clients who were sort of the business person, and oftentimes they were more of the take the ball and run with it, give general guidance and and don't want to be bothered all that much. And and many times, you know, the in-house lawyer, they, they have a different job because you have a client too, right? Um, you're answering to in, internally. And so, you know, you need to keep them in the loop. So I think that's that's probably a, a good rule of thumb is just have a one-size-fits-one approach to all yeah, this Yeah, I mean, even another example I would, I used to have, don't anymore, but I had this counsel that would call me two or three times a day. And while I love the approach of keeping me updated at the same time, a short two or three sentence email mm -hmm. really helps me because I don't have time to answer the phone all day long. I don't have time to spend 45 minutes on mm -hmm. multiple conversations when I already have a full schedule. So really knowing the approach of how your client wants it, I think is huge. Yeah. All right. So I want to follow up on, you You started to talk about your favorite outside counsel and and just some general, you know, the building rapport and how, how that came to be. And I, I think that this, you know, business, we'll call this business development. Like how do you as a lawyer go out and develop a relationship that leads to opportunities with, with a client? Um, and I think in many cases, uh, people overcomplicate things, lawyers overcomplicate things. I mean, in a very simple level, I mean, what it's all about, in my opinion, is, you know, you sort of have to be top of mind, right? You have to be in someone's general awareness to um, generate opportunities. That's fairly obvious. Um, and then, you know, by continually staying top of mind in a way that they perceive as valuable, right? The usual stuff, you know, create good content. Um, have opportunities to um, understand what their needs are, uh, deliver on those as you continue to deepen trust and, and the relationship, then be responsive to requests and opportunities as they move forward. Like, you know, you're not the only lawyer that can be can do this job. So if you're not responsive to opportunities that come your way, you're going to miss out on that. And then ultimately, when you do get opportunities, deliver strong work product and, yeah. and provide great cl client service. And I think what that demonstrates with you sort of, it sounds like with, with that lawyer, and it, I think it's representative of how every client operates with, with their lawyers, over time, the, the, while they might be using several law firms or lawyers at some point in time, they'll continue to send more and more work to the person that's really following through on that simple, stay top of mind, be responsive, do good work, and that compounds in their favor. Um, so I, I guess just talk, maybe, maybe we can talk a little bit more about, you know, from your perspective, 
some do's and don'ts or things that you've you've um, you've seen that are are good in terms of the way lawyers have approached business development, and on the other side, maybe some mistakes that people might be making. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest mistakes, and to this day, I still remember it, is I had an outside counsel write me an email basically saying, um, when I asked a question, a specific question um, that I needed to answer, um, said, oh, I don't know if you know about that, so I can't tell you. Mm. Okay, I, I I know about what's going on, <laughs> you know. With my companies, like I, I'm very well aware. And if I'm mm-hmm. not, like that's a, obviously a problem. But to come to that approach and to say that from one attorney to another, um, it just was a, a really a tacky way of mm-hmm. saying something. Um, and I think, you know, from what I heard through the grapevine is she was used to dealing with some clients that, you know, some attorneys that didn't know all the information or what have you. But to go directly to that attorney and say that instead of, you know, going back to whoever she needed to do and say, hey, can I approach it this way would have been a lot better for that individual to handle versus coming at me saying, hey, I don't know if you know this. And from then on, I was very clear that she was not going to be on any billables that I had um, mm-hmm. moving forward. Um, I've had the one that just takes the reins and mm-hmm. goes back and forth with opposing counsel. And I, you know, two or three weeks I check in and they're like, Oh, well, we've decided X, Y, Z. And I'm like, Oh, so you've decided that for us just because <laughs> you're yeah. hired to help us. Doesn't mean you're now the general counsel does not mean, you know, mm-hmm. you're the one making the decisions for the company. Um, And even my role, like, that's a huge thing that people don't understand is like, oh, like, I don't make decisions. I give advice. And then it's up to the business leaders to decide which way they want to go. And sometimes people get like, very flustered. If you're the type of attorney that you're going to give advice and say, you should go this way. And you don't like the fact that they're going to go a different way. In-house isn't for you. Like, you have to be okay with the fact that you're there to advise but you're not there to make the ultimate decision. Now, obviously you can, if they want you to, of course, Mm -hmm. um, but you have to be okay with a different perspective. You have to be flexible. You have to not want to be the smartest in the room. I say that all the time and everything I post and everything I do, I am not the smartest person. I never will be in in any any capacity because I always want to learn, even if it's from employees, even non-lawyers, like teach me. Like, and I, sometimes like my employees laugh, I'm like, think of me as a kindergarten kindergartner and like teach me. And so like, even with outside counsel, I'm like, if I don't understand, I'm like, I don't need you to just run away and do X, Y, Z. I need you to keep me informed and teach me about what's going on. Yeah. Uh, that's all, all great advice. And I think it's really just helpful. I'm sure for our listeners to hear kind of these practical real world examples of, you know, these, these kind of sometimes esoteric concepts we talk about, you know, the little things matter um, and and following through and all this, you know, it seems simple, but we overlook what really actually matters in these types of relationships oftentimes. It's crazy. Like um, the uh, probably, this is probably December, January, I was at a firm because it was a CLE and whatnot. And just still to this day, like lawyers not getting that approach of being able to be flexible, understand your client, understand their needs, like we had talked about, mm-hmm. and just like running full forge ahead and being like, this is the way we're doing it. This is the way it is. 
And I remember sitting there and it was obviously, it's an ACC event. So we're all in house learning from this firm and we're like looking around at each other. Like, are they stuck? Like, you know, like in 20 years back, like this is not how we want, you know, our outside counsel. And I actually have a CLE tomorrow that I'm going in person to affirm. So I'm curious to see um, mm-hmm. what kind of develops from there and how they kind of approach us because we were all kind of like, are we seriously still <laughs> stuck in these siloed ways? But we'll see. Right, right. Okay, so let's uh, let's transition to probably our last topic of of this episode, which is um, the a topic where it actually led us to this conversation, which is LinkedIn. And I know um, you and I both put a lot of content on there. It's how we became familiar with one another. Um, and so, you know, as a, I guess, you know, it, I think everyone, a lot of people think of LinkedIn as, you know, I'm going to create content, I'm going to generate client work from it. It doesn't always work out that way, or I'm going to get a job. So you're, you've landed in a good position. Um, you're not looking for clients anymore, um, but you're still prolific on the platform um, as, a, as a GC. So how do you think about, you know, personal branding and content creation? Like, what are your objectives? Um, if you if you even have any, I know sometimes people are just like, I just enjoy it and I like doing it every day. Um, but how do you think about LinkedIn and how are you using it today? Um, you know, for me, I, when I first started out, it was a huge, like, I can't be the only one that like thinks our, our industry needs to change. And mm-hmm. it was more so like, here are my gripes with the, ish- with the industry and here's how we can make it better. I'm very big about actionable advice. Like I'm mm-hmm. not just going to be the one to sit there and complain. I'm going to be like, X, Y, Z is happening. Here's what we need to do to correct it. Um, so that's how it first started. And I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even know it was a thing. I just I started out commenting. And then I was like, actually, um, someone that was close to me said, hey, you actually should probably post some of this stuff and mm-hmm. talk about it. And I did. And so I think for me, it's huge about I'll get messages like, how do I do this? How do I personal brand? And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's not about like just going out there and spilling everything and trying mm-hmm. to get followers it's like you really have to like think about like why do you want to do this like what is your why and personal branding mm-hmm. and like who are you trying to reach who are you trying to you know seek in that in the conversation you can't just do something because you think someone's going to want it but then you don't have any experience in it like you yeah. really have to figure out what motivates you to want to build a personal brand yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's pretty remarkable. I, and I know you've had, I mean, you must have had um, posts that have reached hundreds of thousands of of readers, um, which is pretty remarkable. I mean, don't you say, I mean, I feel that way sometimes. Just like, wow. I mean, this, just the the reach you can have um, on the platform, and it's uh, it's cool. It's scary for some people too, right? They think like, yeah, like yeah. when you see that impression thing, like. First of all, I don't know what they did with that analytics thing where it tells you on the top now, like if that yeah. could go away, so I don't see yeah. the down arrow and the up arrow, I'm over that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when you see the impressions on a post and it's like, you know, 200, 300,000, whatever, you know, have seen this, I'm like, me? Yeah. You're like, have you seen my stuff? I'm cool. Like, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, and you, and sometimes it's funny because when they go viral or whatever they want to call mm. um sometimes people think like we're not behind the screen and they'll just start like mm-hmm. going off about something. And I'm like, hi, I'm here. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think with posts that, that really spread, sometimes people think it's like, 
oh, the person who wrote it will never see it because there's hundred some comments on there yeah. already. And it's like, yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I yeah. noticed that. I yeah, noticed I that too. Yeah. But you do, you have to, yeah, you kind of develop a, a thick skin around it. Um, yeah. There's inevitably going to be, there's the contrarians out there who are just going to find a way to disagree with whatever you have to say. Oh, but, absolutely. But, but then you have like, and you have it too, like you have your followers, like your really mm-hmm. ones that are always there and they'll, they'll come at it before you even get to it or even right. see it. And then right. I love that because I'm like, hey, yeah, hands-off approach here. Right, right, exactly. Cool. Well, I mean, I think at the at the end of the day, I mean, we've talked a lot about LinkedIn on this podcast before. Um, I do think, you know, to the extent that you want to, like you said, build your brand, um, share a point of view, right? I mean, you talked about building rapport as being an important component of like developing a relationship with a client and in your case with a outside lawyer. Um, and, you know, that there is the possibility of doing that at LinkedIn. I mean, people do get a sense of how you think, you know, a little bit about who you are as a person, all that stuff's important. Um, and for many different reasons, there's serendipitous opportunities arise on the platform every day. So, I mean, I would encourage, and I think you would probably encourage people as well to, to get out there and experiment with it. If you're looking for a new avenue to expand your network and your, you know, your, I guess, thinking on different issues. Yeah. I mean, I think it's huge, you know, and it's, I think one of the biggest things I would say is you have to be consistent. Like mm-hmm. I am really big about remembering the people that I see consistently on my posts and mm-hmm. when, when they're not on my posts, I'm like, Hey, are they okay today? Like I'll send them a message like, Hey, everything, you know, like <laughs> you're used to that. Yeah. Um, and you're used to knowing, I mean, you are similar to me. Like I like engaging. I like, you know, the mm-hmm. back and forth and like mm-hmm. hearing different perspectives. So like, that's how you build that. Like, that's how you build. It's not just like, let me post one thing one time or let me comment one thing one time and they're going to remember who I am. Like, I'm going to have no clue. Or I'm sure you get this, like messages like, hey, X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. Can you sit on, an, on a 30, 40 minute call with me and explain mm-hmm. X, Y, Z? And I'm like, who are you? Like, have we, <laughs> right. like, have we had a conversation at least in the comment section? Like, right, right. Like, that's, that's a huge one for me. It's like, let's, you know, Let's get to know each other a little bit before we just mm-hmm. assume that I'm the right fit for you or whatever. So totally. No, that's a great lesson. I mean, yeah, I get a lot of those where it's like, uh, can you help me get a job or, you know, can I pick your brain? It's like, I, you know, I just can't, can't do it. But if it's, but if it's someone who I've seen, yeah, just engaging and I've, I've sort of gotten to know at a distance, um, much more receptive to those types of overtures Absolutely. at that point. So it's, it's important. Um, well, Brittany, uh, thank you so much for your time uh, today. This is really, really good. I think our, our listeners will really enjoy it. Um, before we go, I, obviously, as I said at the top of the show, I think everyone who's listening, if they're not already, which many of you I'm sure will be already, um, but connecting with uh, and, or following Brittany on LinkedIn is a, is a good starting point. Anywhere else that you would point them to kind of see what's going on with you or is LinkedIn the best place? LinkedIn's great. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually revamping my Instagram, Legally Brittany. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same yeah. as my TikTok. Um, those are kind of trying to transition them to be more like laid back versus obviously very intellectual mm-hmm. posts, you know, coming from LinkedIn. So have that. And just, I have some things coming up in the works, you know, dealing with GC or in-house life, I should say, um, mm-hmm. personal branding, all kinds of things. So I'm excited for the next chapter for sure. Fantastic. Well, yeah, um, we'll make sure to add all of those links to the show notes and people, if they want to check out Brittany's LinkedIn, TikTok, or Instagram, or all three, 
um, you can find those there. So thanks again, Brittany. Uh, really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.